flames are pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Stranger, this had better be important. Very. I'm alarmed at the way you're conducting this investigation. Go haunt a house. I'm busy. Batman, I'm here to offer you an insight into your parents' demise. What do you know? Most things. Be warned. You might be shaken by what you learn here tonight. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Light and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.com and CorpseConjecture.blogspot.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irradiated Chad from Corpse Conjecture, uh, and along with me, as always, is my co-host, the Irrigated Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. <laughs> you know, I don't even miss him. Uh, uh, of course, uh, for all of you listening, uh, that was the voice not of the Irredeemable Shag, that was the voice of... Chad Volkelman, host of the Lantern Cast podcast, um, and as you could see, as you saw from the uh, from the the title of the post, we're doing kind of a special episode where we're going to be focusing not on Aquaman or Firestorm, but on a favorite character, both Chad's and mine, the Phantom Stranger. And mm-hmm. since uh, Shag is deciding to spend the week with his family or whatever you know gambling debts he's got to pay off, we thought Chad would, Chad was nice enough to step in and co-host the show with me for this week. So thanks for being here, Chad. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And I thought it uh, very apropos that you uh, entitled, you know, the subtype of this episode, um, Shag Who. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I like to think that's the subtitle of every episode of the podcast, but, but okay. Um, anyway, yeah, we're going to be talking about the, the Phantom Stranger. It was uh, one of my favorite characters. Of course, not my single favorite, but one of my favorite characters of all time. And um, it's kind of exciting because he's back in the New 52, of course, sort of unexpectedly got his own series again. That was not something I, I thought I would ever see because it just didn't seem like he would be somebody that they would choose to dust off for the New 52. But they did. So he's back now. Um, well, guess, for that matter, for, for that matter, neither did Aquaman seem like a. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't I can't dog you. This is going to uh, be the shortest guy. episode ever of the fire. <laughs> I can't just hit on, hit, hit on. Oh, that's no good. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I can't take down Shag every time. I gotta, I gotta throw some your way, man. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I will, I will stop with the Shag jokes uh, as of now. We sort of, had, you know, batted them around enough, and I always get the final word by adding the stinger to the show, which I always try and make as an insult to Shag. So I'll, I'll, I'll cut him a break since he's not here to defend himself. Um, right. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Let's sort of. Chad, why do you like the Phantom Stranger so much? Um, it's kind of funny. I was trying to figure that out last night. As a matter of <laughs> <laughs> preparation. What preparation? 
Um, I actually, uh, after work, you know, went, uh, yesterday went to pick up some, uh, some stuff that I've been missing out on, uh, at the comic book store and, um, you know, I got paid and it was black Friday. So everybody was doing some sales, but one of the things I picked up was my, uh, my Nexus omnibus, uh, volume one. Uh, and, uh, my first comic ever was, um, a Nexus Magnus, the robot fighter, uh, two issue crossover. And it was the second issue of that two-issue crossover that was that was my first comic, and so Nexus this is my first exposure to comic book superheroes, and it's kind of funny that uh, at least in the very the most the the newest incarnation of Phantom Stranger, in a lot of ways he's kind of like Nexus. Um, he's uh, he's got this kind of super vast power set that you're not really sure what it is or how it can be defined. Um, and as of, as of the new 52 series, his motivations are highly unclear. Um, and it's, it's this super powerful being with, with not a whole lot of information on either his powers or his motives. And you get the feeling that he's doing it mostly for the good of everyone else, but you're not quite sure because there's these moments where you're like, I I don't know. That guy just got immolated, and I don't think he deserved it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but yeah, in, in a lot of ways, uh, Phantom Stranger kind of reminds me of Nexus, uh, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's why I, you know, when I finally found him, uh, I can't remember my first Phantom Stranger exposure, but um, when I when I started reading him in comics, uh, I think subconsciously that's why I latched onto him is because it was I, I don't know what this guy is about. Or how he got his powers, or what the hell is going on here? But uh, I like this. <laughs> I, can, yeah. I, I honestly say I could not expect a comparison to Nexus of the Phantom Stranger. <laughs> that was not. <laughs> that, uh, that that would never be a comparison uh, that I would make. That's kind of amazing. Um, <laughs> how did you, did you? How many of his like older comics have you read? Like the Phantom stuff from the seventies. The seventies was really the Phantom Stranger's best time. Um, right. Because that was, you know, we were really into a lot of supernatural stuff in the '70s. There was a lot of supernatural movies, uh, so that was really his 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 golden age, I would say. Did you have you read any of that stuff? I I have read like an issue or two here or there. I see the showcase, uh, the two volumes of showcase in various comic shops, and I'm almost tempted every time to buy them. But I keep thinking, you know, there has to be a re-release, you know, trade or omnibus of Phantom Stranger at some point in the future that's full color and in order. And especially now that he's back in the New 52, I'm pretty sure that it's, it's, it's got to be coming soon. It has to be. Mm. Um, and and I, because of that, you know, because, they're, you know, those 70s issues, not all of them are super expensive, but some of them, depending on the comic store, you know, they charge a lot of money. I just go, you know what, I'll just wait. I'll wait. I'm sure it'll come out soon enough, but I think I should probably just suck it up and buy those uh, those showcase editions. <laughs> you know, the sh- it's funny. The showcase books are, are, on the one hand, I totally am I'm into them because they are giving you a lot of material for a very cheap price. And so that's <laughs> that's great. And they are reprinting a lot of stuff that wouldn't normally get reprinted. Um, you know, like Chegg and I've talked about the Enemy Ace and, you know, all the kind of more obscure stuff. At the same mm-hmm. time, I don't know. Like, I really do miss the color sometimes. Mm-hmm. I really do. And and um, I've, I haven't picked any of those up because I, I have all the original, or at least I used to have those original books. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of tempted now, too. And and if they ever – but if they ever did do a full color you know, like big album of the classic Phantom Stranger stuff in the seventies. I would buy that in a minute. I would totally, no matter what the price point was. I mean, like, I got to get this because there is some yeah. amazing stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, the stuff I've read is great. Um, I usually, if I can find uh, an older seventies issues, I usually find the ones where Phantom Stranger is hanging out with Dead Man or something. Because Dead Man's <laughs> one that Dead Man's another one of my favorite characters. Oh, really? Okay, all right. I'm a- sensing a theme here. Uh, <laughs> No, um, but uh, for God's sake, they, they started uh, Sword of Sorcery, um, or Sword and, what's it called? Sword and or Sword of? I, I think can't it's remember. Sword of Sorcery, which is weird to me. That's that's like a weird yeah. phrase, Sword of Sorcery. Yeah, uh, but uh, Sword of Sorcery just came out, and uh, as it came out, they started recollecting and trades the uh, Princess of Gemworld series from the 80s. You were a fan but, of that, too? No, I'm not. Ah, 
Okay. No, but I, I did, I did see it solicited, like you know, in various volumes leading up into the release of of the new uh, Sword of Sorcery series. Oh right, I see. Yeah, so yeah, you would think that, especially since uh, Phantom Stranger is being written by Dan Didio, like head head honcho at DC, you think, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to go through a little bit of the history of the character for those listening that aren't familiar with it. Um, the Phantom Stranger actually was a '50s character. Uh, mm-hmm. He predates the Flash, even in terms of the Silver Age. So I guess technically he's a Golden Age character. Um, he was a creation of John Broom and Carmine Infantino. He got his own series right out of the gate. So his first appearance is Phantom Stranger number one. Um, the series, the first Phantom Stranger series, ran for six issues, and it's definitely not. He has a general look of the Phantom Stranger that we're familiar with, and of course the name. But his M.O. is a lot different. He's a little more like an old-timey uh, radio show host from the 40s, like you'd hear from The Shadow or The Mysterious Traveler, where he would kind of show up, he helps solve some sort of supernaturally-themed problem, and then he disappears. But he doesn't active, get as actively involved the way he would later on. Um, those books, those first six issues of The Phantom Stranger, are really hard to find. They've not been reprinted anywhere, to my knowledge. I don't think they're reprinted in the showcase editions. Because they are sort of, they're sort of the Phantom Stranger, but not. Um, but they are beautiful. If you ever have a, take a chance to look at the covers, go to like Mike's World, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics or Comics.org, and take a look at the six covers. They are beautiful. I mean, Carmen Infantino was doing amazing work um, on this book. So they are, they're really, the stories are kind of okay, but the, the artwork is tremendous. And um, so anyway... Phantom Stranger appeared in these six issues in 1952. He came and went, and everybody just forgot about him. You know, that was <laughs> that was it. He uh, he basically laid dormant for 15-odd years until somebody got the idea to dust him off and redo him for the Silver Age, as, of course, they were doing back then. And he first appeared, sort of re-first appeared, in Showcase number 80, which is from 1969, which features a cover by Neil Adams, which is always a great way to start, you know, your, your <laughs> first appearance is a cover by Neil Adams. Ironically <laughs> enough, on the cover, to, to showcase, he doesn't have his hat on, which is like, <laughs> the one time you wouldn't see him without his hat for like 20 years. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of interesting in that the, the showcase first appearance, he, first, he, he appears as himself, and then he's basically used as a, a, a sort of host to his own reprint because he introduces his own story and then it's a reprint of the 1950s Carmen Infantino series. So, okay. and that ran, and, and so that was the, 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 the reintroduction of Phantom Stranger in that showcase. He gets the classic logo that everybody's familiar with, the classic Phantom Stranger logo. And I guess it was enough of a hit that he got his own series uh, like a month or two later. Um, and that, that debuted with the second version of The Phantom Stranger, Volume 1. The first couple issues of that series are, is the same format as The Showcase, where it's he shows up in a new in a new story, he shows up, he introduces what's, what you're about to hear, and then it's a reprint of the Carmen Infantino stuff. So they kept that going for the first couple of issues, where it was just, again, reprints of these, these Carmen Infantino things. They have nice covers. Um, they introduce, um, or reintroduce again, another old character, Dr. 13. Dr. 13 totally doesn't believe in the supernatural. He thinks the Phantom Stranger is a total sham. And every month he's just trying to basically outwit the Phantom Stranger into proving that he's a, that he's a, a scam. The, the, the problem I always have with Dr. 13 is that every month the Phantom Stranger would do stuff that clearly was the work of the supernatural. And Dr. 13 just refused to buy into it. And after a while, you're like, come on, Dr. 13, just get with it already. You know, like, <laughs> he's clearly a supernatural character. Um, <laughs> so he was always kind of like the Debbie Downer of the Phantom Strangers. He's like, oh, no, no, none of this is true. No, no, no. So that lasted a couple of issues. And then in number four of the Phantom Stranger, which is December of 1969. And by the way, all these issues had covers by Neil Adams, which is, you know, fantastic. Um <laughs> Phantom Stranger number four features the first all-new Phantom Stranger story drawn by Neil Adams. So, man, that is a good way to start. And the story is called um, The Dead Don't Sleep Forever, and that is the first sort of real 
Phantom Stranger story, they introduce his main villain, which is this sort of sexy witch character named Tala. Um, and she becomes like his nemesis throughout the series. And after that, um, they spend a couple of issues of the original series of different creative teams, they had different writers doing it. And the book kind of meandered around for a little bit. It, it, they were all sort of one-and-done stories. Um, they all featured Neil Adams' covers, which is nice. Um, right around this time, uh, the Phantom Stranger teamed up with Batman in Brave and the Bold, Brave and the Bold number 89, which is great, mm-hmm. you know, indicating, hey, he's, he's kind of getting famous here. Um, and then, as of Stranger Stranger number 7, it was the first issue drawn by Jim Aparo. And I, th- I have to say that is probably one of the main things that made me love The Phantom Stranger is that he was drawn by Jim Aparo, who was my all-time favorite comics artist. He had just finished his run on Aquaman. And so, like, to me, Jim Aparo is associated with everything that I love in comics. <laughs> you know, he's Aquaman, The Phantom Stranger, Batman, all my favorite characters. Jim, Jim Aparo ends up drawing. And not too long after Jim Aparo took over... They handed the writing chores over to Len Wein. And once Len Wein took over with Jim Aparo, these guys totally caught fire. And they did about 15 issues of the series together, all in a row. And these are, to me, the classic Phantom Stranger stories. Um, they, they are like the Lennon and McCartney of, of the <laughs> Phantom Stranger. Because every, every story featured some sort of different supernatural element. There was one where like, they took on, they did voodoo. There's one in, like, set in a haunted house. There's one featuring, like, Phantom Stranger taking on these goat, these um, frost giants. I mean, and, and with covers by Neil Adams. Uh, this, These stories are absolutely fantastic. And if they're the ones reprinted in the showcase, I believe they're, you absolutely, anybody needs to go out and get these. These are great horror superhero comics. They are superb stuff. And to me, this, like, the Phantom Stranger really never got any better than when Len Wein and Jim Aparo did it. These guys just rocked it. And um, you can get a lot of those issues for relatively cheap, even at comic shops. Even though they're, they hold up really well and they feature a lot of great arts, you can still get them relatively affordably. And they are they are classic, classic stuff. So that, to me, is like the great period of The Phantom Changer, which is like 1971 through 1972 or 73. That is fantastic, fantastic stuff. It's actually funny. I was kind of uh, flipping through your blog. I am the Phantom Stranger dot Way to pimp your own site. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, it's funny. Two of my favorite issues involving the uh, Phantom Stranger actually came out in 1987. Um, the first one is, of course, I'm sure we could get mileage out of this particular issue. Uh, the Phantom Stranger Secret Origins oh, issue. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, issue number 10 that came out in January of uh, 1987. Um, this one is unique in the fact that the Secret Origins series, uh, basically it's what its title states. Uh, it's just the origin stories, uh, usually of two different uh, characters. Like, for instance, um, there was one, I think, with uh, the Creeper and Green Lantern, uh, the Golden Age Green Lantern at one point. Um, and, you know, being a big Green Lantern fan, I got that one and all, all that stuff. But I thought, saw this Phantom Stranger one, and I thought it was unique in the fact that, first and foremost, Phantom Stranger, but it was only the Phantom Stranger. Right, and he got, he got the one. whole issue to himself, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's cool because there isn't necessarily an origin for him in there. There's four origins in yep. there for him. Uh, I think one, like, he's a, he's the he's kind of laid out as the, the wandering Jew. Yes. Um uh, the others, I can't remember exactly what what they were, but I do remember one of them was written by Alan Moore. Yes, yes. Which is amazing. Um, and I think another one was uh, Mike Barr. So, yes. But other than that, I... They're written by... There's four. They're written by... Uh, by One by Alan Moore. One more by Dan Mishkin, who wrote... Who created... Uh, co-created Amethyst. One by Paul Levitz, and one by Mike Barr. And the one by Mike Barr is drawn by Jim Aparo again, so there he is again. But yeah, <laughs> in, in an era where, you know, Secret Origins was devoted to... Um, you know, putting in cement the origin of this character. Here was DC being a little cheeky and saying, oh, here's four possible origins of the Phantom Stranger. We're not going to tell you which one is the accurate one, which I just thought was great. <laughs> I mean, it's them playing around. That is a great book. That is another comic that you can pick up for cheap at a comic shop. And that has got, I mean, you've got Alan Moore and Joe Orlando. Uh, you've got Dan Mishkin and Ernie Colon, Paul Levitz and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name. <laughs> and Mike W. Barr and Jim Aparo. You cannot, with a great cover by Aparo, which is uh, sort of um, 
mimicking M.C. Escher, where you're seeing all these different angles of the Phantom Stranger. It is a fantastic book. And, yeah, I love the the um, the one by the one by Alan Moore. I mean, by Dan Mishkin and Ernie Cologne. It kind of is set in outer space, which is interesting. <laughs> the one by Alan Moore is a little, like, grittier and is a little kind of uh, Captain Marvel-ish in terms of uh, you know, meeting strange people down in the subways and stuff. The one that you mentioned by uh, Levitz and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is the Wandering Jew one. And then, oh no, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Mike Barnes and Perra one is the Wandering Jew one. Um, that is a great, that is a great, great book. That is, did you buy that on the, at the stands or did you find that later on? I found that later on. 1987 was the year I was born. Oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Could you speak up, Sonny? I can't hear you. <laughs> uh, um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I did not buy it at the stands, but <laughs> I did find it later on and enjoyed it probably just as thoroughly as you, you did yourself. <laughs> I think by uh, the fact that I said the stands indicates how old I am, is that such a thing as newsstands back then. <laughs> uh, we can always edit this out if you're uncomfortable with uh, uh, no, your Oh, no, everyone knows how old I am at this point, I guess. <laughs> well, the, the other uh, favorite issue of mine, um, and I'm not 100% sure why it's a favorite issue, I just... I, it's just good all around. Uh, it is Action Comics uh, 585, and it's titled End Graves Give Up Their Dead by John Byrne and Dick Giordano. There you go. Uh, great great that, day. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's an amazing, amazing issue. Back then, I think Action Comics was kind of going a brave and the bold route, but instead of having Batman team up with various people, Superman would team up with various people. Right. Uh, and, and for this particular issue, he teamed up with the Phantom Stranger, uh, and it, I believe it was just kind of wrapping up a storyline that had gone before. This like mystic stone fell into the earth that's in the cemetery, and this stone somehow awoke the spirits of the people buried at the cemetery, who all happened to be sort of evil people, and it gave consciousness to this giant tornado of earth uh, <laughs> consciousness. It was it was crazy. But while Superman was fighting the thing outside, Super uh, Phantom Stranger dove in and confronted the souls, quote unquote, you know, in in this dead dimension. Uh, it was kind of like you know being judged um, by them. It's just this weird kind of scene. Um, but it's it's funny because one of my favorite lines is in here. I'm looking at your site now. Sing me no sad songs, dead things. Uh, <laughs> with lines like that, you can't you can't help but uh, love a love a character like Phantom Stranger. I love the way he talks. I do love the way he talks. It's, it's very. He seems to have somewhat of a sense of humor, but not necessarily. So he, they can sort of whip that out every so often. But then then then, then he talks like that. Sing me no sad songs. That you know he has that kind of very formal patter and things like that. I think I think John Byrne must be a fan of the Phantom Stranger because he's worked Phantom Stranger into a bunch of his books. When he was doing Wonder Woman, he brought Phantom Stranger in for um, a, a, like a four part team up. So I think he's yeah. got a sweet he's got a sweet spot for the Phantom Stranger. Yeah, every every time the Phantom Stranger shows up, I mean, does I mean, yeah, I do like the uh, solo appearances uh, of him in his original series and stuff when I find him in comic stores and the ones that I do buy and own. Um, but every time he shows up as a team up in some other book, I, I have to buy it. I don't know what it is, but just Phantom Stranger and somebody else is always so much fun to me. Well, see, because it, it, then they're never quite like I said earlier. They're never quite sure of his motive or what he's there for. They're like, Stranger, what are you doing here? Like, what, it's it's almost like a herald of something crazy is about to happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh crap, here we go again. <laughs> it's never a good sign if the Phantom Stranger shows up. Yeah. He's like the Watcher, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's an interesting idea is that, you know, the Phantom Stranger is a character in a lot of ways that doesn't work well as the lead character. There's just, he's better in the shadows. He's better being mysterious. Now, in those issues I mentioned by Ween and Aparo, they sort of found a way to make him be the main character and make it work and that they sort of put him in these rotating horror movie slash sci-fi setups and sort of just ran with it. But... But yeah, he doesn't always work when he's the main character. Um, I, I was—I I didn't read those those Ween Apparel books um, at the time because they were out before I was born, and so I didn't—or or they were out as I was an infant. So I, I didn't—I never read them until until years later. So I was really familiar with him through his appearances in Justice League. He came in—he um, was brought into the Justice League by Len Wein, who was writing Phantom Stranger at the time, and he, he first appeared in the JLA uh, with them in JLA number one hundred and three. 
and at the end of it, they uh, the Justice League decides to offer him membership in the Justice League. <laughs> And uh, which they were kind of, I guess they were really, you know, like just handing member memberships out left and right back then. And he disappears before he formally accepts. So they're like, oh, we don't. Is he a member? Is he not a member? And then he would pop up, like every two years, he would pop up in the book, claiming to be a member. He'd be like, well, I am a member, aren't I? And they were like, well, yeah, I guess. You know, you never really fully accepted, and you never show up at the meetings. So I don't know. Are you a member? But but he was good as the guest character, and like you said. When he showed up in a JLA story, they all the JLAers all knew. Oh, great! You know, this is things are about to get even worse because the Phantom Stranger is here, and he's going to talk elliptically about some you know danger that's out there and stuff like that. So he doesn't always work as a as a main character, but you know, um, at the same time, you know, every time he's been the main character, I've enjoyed the stories. Like he got his. Did you ever read the um, 1987 miniseries, the one by Paul Kupperberg and Mike Mignola? The four issue. Yeah. Yes, I did. Did you like that? That that was cool. I liked that. the The art was a little uh, off putting to me at first, um, but I did I did like it. Uh, I, I did grow to enjoy it. I'm not quite sure what I didn't enjoy about the art in the first place, but eh, it, it 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 grew on me. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a very cool cool series. I don't remember uh, the the plot line essentially, but I do remember putting that down, and going, "Man, that was cool." <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I think it was fairly early in Mignola's career. And I think his style was still kind of forming a little. And I think it was before it was before Hellboy. So I think a lot of people didn't know who he was. And it was a little like, what? This guy draws really odd. You know, <laughs> it's really, really, really odd. Um, but, I mean, it worked for the sort of moodiness of the story. And, I'm, and um, it was successful enough that, that the Phantom Stranger got his own series again, except it was in the pages of Action Comics, back when Action Comics uh, turned into a weekly. And um, he got his own series. And it was, again, written by Kupperberg. And those are some great stories, too. He kind of followed a similar path that Ween did a little bit and sort of putting him in different situations. And instead of having a continued through line of a story, which is what they're doing now, they made him more almost like the host of his own series where he would come in and be involved in this one crazy one-off story and then they would do it again. And so um, it kind of went back and forth a little bit. Like they did some continued stuff and then they also did some, some one-offs, which I thought worked really well. I'm a huge fan of... Um, Paul Kupperberg, just as a writer and also a person, I, I've been fortunate to become friends with him. So I'm like thrilled that I ever I got to interview him for the I Am the Phantom Stranger blog to talk about his time writing the, the, the Phantom Stranger because I thought he did a, a great job. He also wrote Aquaman too. So it's it's funny a lot of the same people that worked on Phantom Stranger have worked on Aquaman. I have to think there's some connection there that I <laughs> that I, I, I match these two uh, characters together. <laughs> and of course they appeared together in Justice League of America number 200, which is the single greatest piece of of uh, literature Western civilization has ever produced. Um, so, uh, did, you ever, did you ever read that book? I did not. Uh, uh, I got to read that one book. You got to read that chat. You got to. Justice League 200? Yes. All right. Well, I'll find it and you, try it if, got if, to I, buy if I can that find book. it. You can find it uh, in any comic shop. It's, oh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, you, you, I think I have a feeling this Justice League 200 issue is going to end up being like Scarface was for me originally. Oh my God, you got to see it's the best movie ever. <laughs> and then you watch it, and you're like, it was cool, but I, I know, I know. Down. By calling it, by calling it what I just called it, I know I'm way overselling it, but it's got. I mean, it's got like every great comic book artist of the time. It features all the JLAers, all their all their guest stars, and it features them all fighting one another. So you've, you've got Green Lantern versus the Atom, uh, Flash versus Elongated Man, Aquaman versus Red Tornado, with featuring an appearance by the Phantom Stranger, and it's drawn by Jim Aparo again. So again, it's got Jim Aparo drawing two of my favorite characters altogether: uh, Martian Manhunter versus Firestorm, Superman versus Hawkman, which is Hawkman drew the short straw on that one, Wonder Woman versus Zatanna, and Batman versus Green Arrow and Black Canary. So it is it is an amazing book. It is so much fun. I will. You know, I will have to dig up. I think I even have extras. I'll have to dig that up and send it to you because every comics fan should read that comic. I just <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I I found I found out by the way while you were talking what because <laughs> I don't listen. <laughs> it's like Shag never left. <laughs> it's like the same show. <laughs> uh, I found out my first exposure to Phantom Stranger. Uh, it kind of clicked as I was scrolling through all of his appearances on the side of your blog. Uh, JLA Avengers. I think oh, that that's trade, right. He's in that. Yes. I think that trade had to be um, 
what what happened there yeah um because i remember i remember reading that and uh getting to the page where phantom stranger kind of opens a door from nowhere mm-hmm. and says come with me and you know this shows you know um this guardian like character i can't remember his name at, at the moment just kind of laying beaten on the floor by crona um and you're like, wow, this comic took a really strange, bizarre turn just now. <laughs> Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> so I think I think that's uh, that's uh, that's the first exposure I had to him was the JLA Avengers series. Uh, that was that was weird. <laughs> that's a fun series because when he enters the picture for the first time, he walks in and the first guy to to call him out is Aquaman. He's like, Phantom Stranger, you're skulking around like a thief. Where? What are you doing here? And he's just he's like. Aquaman has no time for this. Like, oh my god, time for your time for your. I don't have any time for your elliptical phrases and your weird. You know, come on. He knows exactly what's about to go down. Yeah. And my my second exposure to him being the Green Lantern fan, I am was the uh, Legend of the Green Flame. Ah, yes. Uh, and uh, in which you know, Dead Man makes an appearance too. That's right. So that's great. So it's uh, Phantom Stranger, and there's uh, uh, he was he was kind of. Yeah, basically kind of served as a, as the narrator for events, uh, kind of. There was this weird storyline that was happening with him that I didn't know what the hell was going on. He's, like, trapped in this room and talking yes. to somebody, and then he leaves, and I don't know what the heck is going on. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's another one of those moments where you're like, who is this guy? <laughs> and what is happening? Yeah, the, well, the Legend of the Green Flame, for anybody who doesn't, doesn't read or doesn't, doesn't know what it is, it was a one-shot. Uh, written by Neil Gaiman and drawn by a bunch of different artists, and it was uh, it was right after Action Comics Weekly had wrapped up its its run. Um, like I said, Action Comics uh, became a weekly for a little while, featuring different series. And even though DC uh, gave it a valiant effort, it was pretty much a bomb, like sales wise. It just really flopped. So they ended up scuttling that format uh, fairly quickly. But they had to wrap up a bunch of stories. Like a lot of different stories were still sort of in the middle of their runs. So they published this one shot, which sort of wrapped up all the stories in one big story, in, in one long continuous story. And the Phantom Stranger, as Chad said, is sort of the narrator. And it features, I'm going to mention him again, uh, it features the Phantom Stranger drawn by Jim Aparo for the last time. Um, Aparo died, I think, not that long after that. So this was the last time he ever drew the character. And so even though the book is kind of eh, um, in terms of mixing all the stories together, I still love it because it features... Jim Aparo drawing the character just that one last time on one last page. Features a cover by um, Frank Miller um, before he completely lost his mind. So it's, it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff in it. Yeah, that interesting and, and insane. Like Superman and Green Lantern going to hell. Yep. <laughs> that's that's uh, it's it's insane. By way of the Starheart, basically, uh, which is the the power source that uh, powers uh, Alan Scott, the Golden Age Green Lantern. For those of you who don't know. Uh, trust me, I have way more knowledge of Green Lantern than Phantom Stranger. So if we were at some point were to talk about, if we were to at some point to talk about Green Lantern, I would be talking more than uh, Rob here. But <laughs> well, let's do that. Let's talk about the Green Lantern a little bit. I mean, the Green Lantern what? is definitely more of a sci-fi fantasy character as opposed to a supernatural character. Um, so naturally, yeah. the, the two of them don't mix, you know, the Phantom Stranger and Green Lantern don't mix all, them, mix all them, mix all that much, although they have. Uh, I mean, do you generally prefer more sci-fi-ish kind of based comics than, than, than supernatural stuff? Although you said you like Dead Man, so. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, if I were to list off my favorite characters, I think we'd be probably figure that out. I got Green Lantern, <laughs> Ragman. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right there, sci- sci-fi and supernatural. I mean, uh, you gotta mention the blog, you gotta mention the Ragman blog, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, thesuitofsouls.blogspot.com. I had to put the V in there because apparently there was already a suitofsouls.blogspot.com that someone just kind of, you know, I just took for their own and never did anything never did with. Never did anything with it, yeah. Yeah, so so I just I just like, you know what, thesuitofsouls.blogspot.com. And uh, there's a, a few posts on there by now, and the last time Rob mentioned it, he was wrong. There was another post besides the ghost crossing. I was? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, how dare you? Uh, no, it was just like, you know, is there any chance of Ragman being in the New 52? That's all it was. Um, but yeah, uh, so Ragman, there's Deadman, Phantom Stranger, Firestorm. So, you know, there's, there's kind of a, bo- uh, you know, a, a give and take there. Sci- sci-fi and Supernatural are kind of my bag. Um, and I just kind of read the Supernatural more for fun than entertainment. 
Um, I guess that's essentially the same thing, but uh, in my mind, I'm kind of differentiating the two. Um, What's the difference? But, uh, What's the difference to you between those two things? Between uh, entertainment and fun? Yeah. Yeah. Well, f- as evidenced by my other blog, <laughs> um, coreconjecture.blogspot.com, I focus all on there on all the theories of what Jeff Johns could be possibly doing with his title or the other uh, Green Lantern. Uh, writers uh, for the four series that Green Lantern has, so haha, I have four series, you guys only have one apiece. Uh, <laughs> give it time. Give it, hey, we're working on it. Aquaman might be up to three fairly quickly, so. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, to, the difference to me, the entertainment aspect is more of a, um, I enjoy the stories, and I actively seek out what could possibly be coming next, and I start going through all these various scenarios in my head, and, and, and to me, it's more of the, by differentiating between fun and entertainment. The entertainment to me, there is more involved in it after I put down the comic. Huh. Um, okay. All right. I understand so, what you're saying. Yeah. Um, the the fun aspect is oh that was a great issue. All right. Cool. And then I don't I don't ever do anything with it. You know, um, Ragman. Uh, the Ragman blog is kind of my attempt to give more love. To first and foremost, uh, an underused and uh, you know uh, not very well remembered, as far as I can see, character in the DC universe, as well as kind of focus more on those fun comics because uh, to me, you know, yeah, it's a fun comic, but those are so rare. You know, a, a good comic that you just go, you know what, I would totally recommend this to someone, but you never bring it up again mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that part of the reason I'm doing the Ragman blog is to just kind of give love to something that I have neglected for a while in this, in so far as recommending to other people, you know, I'm always talking about green lantern or firestorm or, or something like that rather than going, Oh, but there was this great dead man issue or phantom stranger issue or Ragman issue, you know, stuff like that. But you've already got the, the phantom stranger covered. And I don't know if I really want to track down every dead man appearance. Cause those, some of them weren't that great. <laughs> I, I, I will admit, when I was getting through some of the appearances, when I, when I committed to the idea of doing the Phantom Stranger blog and simply categorizing, ca- cataloging every appearance, I was like, oh, man, I'm setting myself up for some really, really lame books, you know? And there was, <laughs> there was definitely some points where I was, I was, like, scanning these books and, you know, getting ready, the, getting the posts ready, and I'm like, oh, God. You know, <laughs> there's some real dross in the 90s. There is some really rough stuff. So, uh, I... Uh, I, I don't think I'll ever do do another blog like that again, where I was like fully committed to just cataloging every appearance because you get stuck with some really bad books sometimes. But. You're killing you're killing me, man, because that's I'm basically using your template from that blog to to do the uh, Suit of Souls blog. Well, luckily the rat Ragman has so many less appearances that you just, there's not going to be as many for you to deal. I mean, uh, you know, although I will say the the fan of Changer by his nature allows people to have a little fun because I mean, Phantom Stranger appears in some non-DC books, uh, if you can mm-hmm. believe it. He appears in a cameo in Uncanny X-Men number 125. Um, he's in the background. Terry Austin just added him in the background. Um, and he's in um, – uh, there was uh, that book uh, Mystic, which was a cross-gen comic. He's in that comic, even though, of course, it's not a DC book. But there's a scene – there's an opening scene in some sort of weird – magical bar and inside sitting around drinking is dr strange clea dr fate um uh, prometheus uh and the 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 seven dwarves um scarlet witch and the phantom stranger so uh the cross gen was risking some serious lawsuits by this but i guess they figured what the hell but then i think there's something about um like you said the phantom stranger sort of ability to pop in and out left and right that i think gives people the uh the license to add him to things he would normally uh uh, appear in but uh yeah when you're doing the ragman blog i think i mean have you do you know how many ragman appearances there are so far i don't uh i do know that there's going to be one that i'm going to be hard pressed to find apparently way way back when there was a ragman character um and he i think it was a, some sort of 50s comic or whatever Catman number one um and he appeared in there as some guy who was uh I guess, and this is me just reading about this like the other day, so forgive me if I have some sort of spotty knowledge on it. Um, but apparently there was this guy who was being uh, 
chased or something by some gang members or had a hit out on him or something, and they were shooting at him, and this uh, this uh, homeless man in, in rags just kind of jumped in front of him uh, and took the bullet, but come to find out that the guy that uh, jumped in front of him is looks almost exactly like him for, you know, hey, whoa, looky there, that's a great idea. <laughs> How the... That just happened to fall into my lap. I guess I'm safe. Uh, so, so he puts his clothes on him and takes his rags and becomes Ragman. You know, really? or something like that. Yeah, I, 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 and I could be wrong on some of the details, but that's the basic gist of what I got from the synopsis. But this is this is like we're talking at the very least early '60s. I'm thinking probably '50s. So I'm going to be hard pressed to find a digital copy of Little Yeah, little, that's interesting. Let alone the original. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. That's funny. I never knew because I rem- I don't remember it firsthand, but I, I remember looking at old price guides and stuff that there was a the Catman series from whatever publisher. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. DC or Marvel. You know, it wasn't it wasn't DC. So this was yeah, that's like the 50s or something. That's funny. Oh jeez, uh, mm-hmm. I I always assumed the Ragman was you know the first. First appearance was in the DC book in the seventies. That there was nothing. Yeah, the Joe created by Joe Kubert. I created mean, come by, on. Yes, there you go, my old instructor, uh, Joe Kubert. Yeah, so that you, you can't get any can't get any better than that. Uh, I think it's some. I think it says something that that right before the D, DC implosion, you know, gave birth to two of my favorite characters, Firestorm and uh, Ragman. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of great concepts DC was putting out, and then they all just got wiped away by. <laughs> unfortunate implosion. Um, so now, as we, as we talked about in the, the earlier part of the show, Phantom Stranger is back. He's got his own series again. It's drawn, written by Dan Didio and drawn by Brent Anderson. Uh, what do you what do you think of that series so far? Uh, I wasn't sure I was going to like it. Um, you know, because first and foremost, they gave Phantom Stranger an origin, um, which is you know kind of you you don't do. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's highly evident and you know just because we mentioned it earlier the the secret origin series dc at the time was like you know what we just won't tell them (laughs) here's four (laughs) so (laughs) then all of a sudden you know uh you know albeit by you know different uh different people at the masthead um so to speak there is now they're like well we're gonna backtrack and it's new 52 new universe let's give phantom stranger an, an origin um and Although this is yet to be confirmed by DC outright, it's fairly obvious um, that uh, Phantom Stranger is now Judas Iscariot from the biblical story. Right. Um, and uh, he was judged by the council, uh, council of wizards, the same council, one of which was responsible for creating Shazam. Now, um, and uh, alongside him were the uh, were Pandora from the Pandora's Box story. Uh, and um, whoever ends up being the question. He was one of three individuals, the, the Trinity of Sin, they're calling it, um, who was who was judged by this council of wizards. And uh, Judas Iscariot just became the phantom stranger wandering around. He's got this, this necklace. His typical pendant is gone. It is no longer a pendant. It's this necklace uh, made up of the 30 pieces of silver that Judas gave to um, the the Pharisees or whomever to turn him over, to turn Christ over to 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 them. Um, so with those thirty pieces of silver, each time he betrays somebody, um, one of those uh, tokens drops off, and this is uh, it, it's kind of evident that this is kind of a countdown to the Phantom Stranger being in his, you know, quote-unquote purgatory of, of his powers and what he has to do. Uh, kind of his his atonement for his sin is by betraying these, I, I, I'm assuming it'll become eventually 30 people um, to uh, to atone for, for his actions against Christ. Um, but, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it was kind of weird at, at the start, but, you know, by introducing the Spectre, you know, the concept of how the Spectre came about in that issue and, and just the the overall tone of the book, I was I was like, you know what? I'm just enjoying it, and, and it became a fun book for me, um, and uh, it, it, bordering on entertaining. <laughs> 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 now that everybody's familiar with my definitions, <laughs> what, what, what a pull quote for the book: bordering on entertaining. <laughs> yeah. um, but I got a chance to uh, to talk with Dan DiDio at, at uh, New York Comic Con. 
uh, about the Phantom Stranger series. It was just kind of a, we have a, a listener of the Lantern cast, Edgar, uh, and uh, he works for American Airlines or something, and I guess hooks up DC. I, I have no idea. Hmm. Um, but uh, he was like, you know, I, I met him at the DC booth, and I was like, hey, man, thanks for listening. It's great to finally meet you, blah, blah, blah. And um, he was like, oh, what have you been doing so far? And I told him, you know, I met Neil Adams and, and stuff like that. And he's like, well, do you want to meet Dan DeDio? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and he talks to somebody, and she's, she goes and grabs Dan by the arm. He's like, here, come in and talk to this guy. And uh, so he talks to me for a minute and shakes my hand. And this is, this is not at a booth. This is not like at a table or in a line or anything. He's just... Somebody goes goes and grabs Dan DeDio and pulls him over to me. <laughs> awesome. And <laughs> yeah. And uh so I shake his hand and you know, we take a picture together and then uh out of nowhere, you know, I, I just compliment him on the Phantom Stranger series, tell him how much of a fan I am of the character. You know, and he finally, you know, kind of gives a little bit. He's like, yeah, that's it, it also, I loved that series in the 70s and you know, I have such a love for the character and you know, I was like, you know, I, we're going to see some more of that, you know, like this kind of Spectre stuff. He's like, you know, I got a lot of stuff in the work uh, works. I know a lot of people are upset about the whole giving him an origin, but there's a purpose for it. You'll see it, you know, kind of, you know, publisher not being able to reveal too much and right. kind of just right. teasing more than anything. Um, but yeah, for like five minutes, it was just me and Dan DiDio talking in the middle of the DC booth about Phantom Stranger. That's awesome. Uh, That's great. Yeah. That was one of my one of the highlights of my uh, convention. You know, I, I, I get in there. But the first thing I do is make a beeline to pay ten dollars for neil adams autograph <laughs> whatever <laughs> um and then uh then very next thing is i'm shaking hands with dan DeDio, and i'm like i need to come to cons more often <laughs> yes absolutely those are a lot of fun that was my humble brag for the episode oh that's good no it's good stuff that's great i wish i did i i saw him a couple of times at new york comic con it didn't occur to me to, to flag him down and talk to him about the Fan of Stranger because I've talked to them a little bit about Aquaman and stuff. I should have done that. But yeah, I, I I am not terribly thrilled with the idea of giving him a set origin and on top of it making it an origin so rooted in religion, uh, a particular religion. Because in, in some ways it's sort of establishing that the you know that that Christianity is you know the one true religion of the DC universe, which is a little troubling to me. Um, plus, it doesn't fly, it flies in the face with a lot of the other stuff that. It already exists in the DC universe. Um, although at the same time, I've always said, if you were a normal human living in the DC universe, you would have to be very religious because there's proof of, of life beyond death all around you. I mean, there's, there's constantly people coming back from the dead. There's alien races. Coming. I mean, there's, you know, you're living in this very crazy world. And so you, I, I would imagine there are very few atheists in the DCU at this point. So, yeah, I didn't think that, 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 that rooting it, so hard into into one location as a, one sort of historical spot was a great idea. But as you said, Dan just said, you know, give us time, we'll work it out. So, you know, I, I was kind of like, ah, it's okay. But but now the story they're doing involving Raven and and Trigon, uh, it's interesting in that the fan of Chandra has set him, set himself up to have a family. He's got a wife and children that he is sort of living a normal existence under. That's kind of an interesting angle that's never really been done before. So. Um, you know, I'm, first of all, I'm just thrilled that, that, that there is a new Fan of Stranger series. Um, but then, you know, that they're, they are trying to do, Dan is trying to do something a little different with it. And uh, I think that's a worthy effort, you know. Um, I'm not a, as big a fan of, like, a, the big multi-arc storylines. But I, I, would, I wouldn't mind him going back to, like, some one-off little stories, little horror-based stories. But um, I think, I don't know, I think comics don't do that much anymore. I think they do these big multi-arcs because that's just the way comics are to comic mainstream comics are, are written nowadays um sort of written for the trades you know i mean they'll eventually make a trade of this arc of him versus trigon and raven and and as you said they just brought in the specter uh in the form of jim cargan at the end of the second issue um what do you think of the artwork by um brent anderson and philip tan so far i wasn't uh, again i wasn't sure i was gonna like it um it wasn't until um I think it was the the full page shot where Trigon comes just like bursting out of the the ne the neither nether whatever what is it nether nether there you go see I think we found my nuclear uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that that kind of pan, that full page shot where he's just kind of floating out of the sky with lightning crackling around that that was really cool um, 
I think that's when I really was like, I think I can dig this art. <laughs> this is okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's very enjoyable. The problem I'm having with the series kind of rests in how his, uh, quest for atonement, I guess, is going. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm used to Phantom Stranger being like this kind of silent, helpful force and, and seeing him like let a kid die, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff just, um, just doesn't really, it, it kind of jars with how, uh, against how I, how I think of Phantom Stranger. And that's not, it's going to take some getting used to, you know. Um, obviously, you know, it's a new 52, a new universe. You got to just kind of take the good with the bad. Um, but uh, it's, it's hard for me to, to let that go, especially when Phantom Stranger clearly has his own family right. and kids. And, and, and to see him just let another kid die, like, is this, is his family just a cover? It doesn't seem like it. It seems like he has some genuine feelings for them and everything. But yeah, I just that's 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 my only problem with the series. Um, I just kind of wish they would get back. I, I almost kind of wish they were one and done issues where, like like the first one where he you know betrays the guy who becomes the specter. You know Jim Cord. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, it is. All right, next issue. Who's this guy going to be? You know, next issue. Who's this one going to be? You know, I pref- I almost prefer that. Um, just kind of one and done stories. That'd be that'd be nice. But. Right. I mean, yeah, Chad's referring to in the first issue. He lets he watches this little kid run into traffic and lets the kid get hit by a car. And it's you know a little like uh, you know it's it's like oh well this, you know it's all for a greater purpose and you know your tolerance of that as an excuse is is really dependent on I guess you know your view of God's will and things like all those sort of heavy issues. Mm. Yeah. If you're if you're just a regular fan of the hero you're like God, he just let a kid die <laughs> said that's a little tough yeah. to take you know he's like trust me it's all a one big plan i you know i don't know how much any you know how much you can tolerate that it's like uh yeah i'm not sure buying that excuse necessarily but um but like you said i, I don't i don't think that this family that he has is a ruse or anything it's i think it's a genuine family that he has that he loves and he's trying to make you know they're trying to be they're 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 real they're real people and that's i mentioned this on the blog it's going to be I mean, obviously, they're not going to keep them around forever, the Ooh. family. And it's going to be kind of sad because they're going to come to a bad end. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, unless they're either going to lose their father or they're all going to die. So I, unless Dan has figured out some other way of getting around it, it's going to be kind of a sad end to that family. <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, I guess, you know, if you're the guy who, you know, uh, betrayed Christ, I guess there's going to be a lot of sadness in your life. So I guess it's just... Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 I think his family is kind of his, uh, his trying to cope with, uh, what his, his job is now. Like he feels, he seems like he doesn't care when he, you know, when he puts on the, the cloak and the, and the hat and everything and actually becomes phantom stranger, it seems like he's this very detached, unemotional person that's just trying to push everything else away and just tries to give the impression that he doesn't that he doesn't care. And I think his family life is his way of trying to let the other side of him out and actually try and care and connect with humanity and, and stuff like that. Right. But it, it, it's coming at a price as far as characterization of the character that I'm just not enjoying as of right now. Right. But hey, we're only like three issues in. So. Right? Yeah, they've only yeah they've only done zero, one, and two. So you got to give them some time to get going. Um, I, in terms of the art, I really like the art. I'm a, I've mentioned before on the show, I'm a big big fan of Brent Anderson. I think he's a great artist. I don't know if him and Philip Tan are necessarily the greatest combination, um, but the, it's growing on me. Uh, I definitely liked it better. Than the combination they had for the Zero issue, which was Brent Anderson and Scott Hanna, I think. Yeah. So Scott Hanna's stuff was very smooth and kind of cartoony, and I didn't think that was a great match for, for Brent Anderson. But um, Philip Tan is more of a scratchy, kind of rougher ink style. So, um, you know, I think they're, they may end up gelling together a little bit better. So, um, uh, so far, you know, like I said, it's, I think it's rough to a good start. And, again, I'm just happy that the Phantom Stranger has his own book. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. I never thought I'd see that. Uh, you know, they had so many characters to possibly pick from um, to bring back in the New Fifty Two. I was shocked and very thrilled that they that Phantom Stranger was one of them. Yeah, my my problem, I think, with with Brent Anderson and my aversion to him in the v- very beginning is because my first exposure to Brent was they did a one shot special not too terribly long ago of 
Green Lantern and Plastic Man. They did? Really? And I must have missed that. Yeah. I like, I like Plastic Man. I missed that. You're 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 better off with the they did really. Okay. <laughs> just 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 you're better off not knowing. All right, fair enough. <laughs> at, at at one point Green Lantern looks like uh uh he looks he's dressed up in, in incognito and he looks like uh, Green Hornet. <laughs> and the story is is uh not that great. Um okay. But I think I think uh, Brent Anderson's art um, and the style of his art didn't really match a kind of comedic, funky space story. So that the, the mismatch of the type of story that was being told, along with the terrible storytelling to begin with, was was kind of like, oh, this comic's just bad overall in every aspect. Okay. So <laughs> w- 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 when I when I saw when I saw him be on this particular title is like, Oh, it's that guy. And I, all I could think about was my negative reaction oh, to that. Okay. One comic. All right. But so I was kind of very leery going in, but as I said, I've kind of grown to actually appreciate him when he's put in a style that suits his art or a story that suits his art. Right. right. I can't Brent Anderson on plastic man. That seems like a bizarre, like that. I would not think to put those two guys together. So, but now I yeah, kind of no. want to see it just to sort of curious. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> There were some other before we before we wrap it up. I just wanted to mention there was a couple other you know st- parts of the Phantom Stranger history that were worth mentioning. Um, back in 1982, when Swamp Thing got his own series again, which was called Saga of the Swamp Thing, Phantom Stranger got his own was the backup strip, um, and it was drawn. It was written by Mike W. Barr and drawn by Dan Spiegel, and those were one and done stories. They were similar to the stuff from the 70s, where it was him sort of introducing this other story about these other characters, and he was sort of the the periphery guy. Those were a lot of fun. You can get those for super cheap again. I, pretty much any of the Phantom Stranger comics you can get for cheap. There really isn't too many that are expensive. Um, I don't have any uh, ancient appearance from the 1950s like you do with Ragman or anything like that. So, um, <laughs> But anyway, those are worth tracking down, the ones in the back of Saga, and the, Saga of the Swamp Thing. The Again, the, fan, the miniseries he did with Paul Kupperberg and Mike Mignola is, is very good. That's a lot of fun. And uh, Oh, and uh, actually... Jumping around here, um, he made another appearance in the New Fifty Two where he was in Action Comics, where he teamed up with Superman. Did you read that one? Uh, I did not. I the only thing I read was well. Um, did you publish every page on your of that particular story? Uh, not his every, appearance. Not every page. No, close to it. Uh, I only read whatever you put on your site. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, <yeah>. thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I I, I got the. Um, the first uh, trade of the Grant Morrison action comics. Um, and I, it, it started off great and just kind of trailed off in quality for me, for my tastes. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to pick up action comics going forward in trade editions. So I just, I saw that he appeared in there. I was like, Oh, that's cool. I wonder if Rob's going to cover it. And of course you did. There's like a, a nice kind of moment with uh, a nice slash sad moment with crypto. Yes, um, that, yeah. that I, ho- I hope they follow up on. I don't know if he's back or not, but or whatever's going on. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was cool. It's just kind of this. You know, if anybody's going to appear in the Phantom Zone, I'm sure it's going to be Phantom Stranger. It's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I was happy to see him brought back in 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 a in this classic form of being the team up guy, the guy that especially since Superman is vulnerable to magic. That's a great character to bring in because he's sort of frustrating. Like uh, you know. Phantom Shader's doing the, like the one thing Superman can't do is deal mm-hmm. stuff with magic. So, um, so yeah, it's it's great to have him back, and and uh, you know I hope that uh, the the series is a big hit, and and even if it isn't, even if it fades out, um, you know now we know that he's back in the DCU, you know, and uh, he'll he'll you know he'll he can be used when other writers want to bring him in, you know. I mean Jeff Johns could bring him into Justice League if they wanted to. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and for what it's worth, I mean, I know there are a lot of people out there who aren't necessarily big fans of Phantom Stranger, just kind of enjoy him. But I, I think if a, a lot of people are very curious about what this upcoming huge storyline, the first one for the New 52, the uh, Trinity, um, I don't know if they're calling it Trinity War or whatever. Trinity going War, on. yeah, I think it's, I yeah. Think it's what it's called. Uh, if if you're going to find out anything about Trinity War, it's either going to be in the pages of Justice League or in the pages, most likely, of Phantom Stranger. So you should probably keep up with it. <laughs> that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be great. I would love to see Phantom Stranger drawn by the Aquaman guys. That would be amazing. Drawn by Reese and Prado and colored by Reese. Oh, that would, that'd be awesome. 
Again, tying, you tying the boys. The boys tying it all back into Aquaman, of course, once again. So, oh yeah, it, it all ties back. It into all ties Aquaman. back into Aquaman, and I think that's Did, a yes. Tell tell me again how Green Lantern ties into Aquaman. <laughs> uh, they were both members of the Justice League, so there you go. <laughs> and and then there was that one issue of Action Comics where Hal Jordan was depressed and calling for help, and he mentions that he he can't call Arthur because they were never really friends. So it's <laughs> kind of a sad moment. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I think uh, everything tying back to Aquaman, that's a perfect moment to go out on. It is the Fire and Water podcast. Chad, tell us about where we can find all of your various endeavors on, on the web. Essentially, I'm uh, the better version of Frank, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I could never match the amount of content that guy puts out. Um, yeah, first and foremost, um, I am part of a podcast called The Lantern Cast, uh, which... Very, I think just last week actually uh, celebrated our four-year anniversary. Um, I, I have not been a part of it for four years, but the guys uh, Jim and Dan have been going for for that long, and uh, you know I've probably been there about a year or so. Um, but yeah, we've been going strong. www.lanterncast.com, um, and we're also available on iTunes. Um, you know, leave us reviews or whatever. If you'd like to contact the show, you can. Call, give us a uh, leave us a message on our voicemail seven zero eight lantern. Uh, you can email us lanterncast at gmail dot com. Uh, we all have our own individual uh, emails as well. Uh, if you want to reach me specifically, chad at lanterncast dot com. One thing I will say here for all you other podcasters out there, as well as yourself, Rob, um, if you want to kind of uh, ex- expand your horizons, as it were, as far as who you reach, maybe try and get on Stitcher. Uh, we're on Stitcher as well. Um, I work for General Motors, and they put a uh, put apps in their touchscreens on their cars now. Um, Stitcher is now the iHeartRadio slash Pandora of streaming podcasts world. Cool. Uh, so if you can get on Stitcher, it's possible for people to stream your show through the app on their phone, just like they would uh, iHeartRadio or Pandora. Uh, and some vehicles now actually come with apps so they can stream it through their vehicle as well. Nice. So if you can get on Stitcher, get on Stitcher. Um, it, 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 it's definitely something that's more convenient to listeners. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm also, I've also got two blogs, coreconjecture.blogspot.com, just kind of randomness on there, just about Green Lantern uh, in general, as well as the main focus of the blog is kind of pointing out the various uh, theories that going to come and go in the issues um, going forward. And I think that December is the month to pay attention to that particular blog because uh, I haven't told anybody, but here I'll just reveal it here. Yeah. Dece- December from now on is going to be the month where I take a look. Since it's my one-year anniversary of that blog in December, I go back and throughout the entire year of my various theories and say whether I was right or wrong or, you know, maybe still it's, it's possible. <laughs> you know, just kind of – just. <laughs> Just kind of recap on, and I will be brutally honest and say whether or not I was right or wrong. <laughs> That's very commendable of you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that, there's that, as well as the suitofsouls.blogspot.com, which is all about um, Ragman, of course, and yes. trying, trying to chronicle his appearances one by one by one. <laughs> Good luck so. with that. <laughs> But yeah, so th- those are the various platforms in which you can reach me out. And um, I just started a spinoff podcast. Um, wow. Episode, episode one is up. Um, but uh, the Lantern Cast presents Green Lantern, Green Arrow. It's its own series that just kind of pops up in the Lantern Cast feed, the same way Who's Who pops up in Fire and Water's feed. Um, yeah, just uh, download. It's going to be all about the 1970s series by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams to start out with. So maybe if I get you know enough listeners, I'll continue on with other Green Lantern and Green Arrow team ups going outside of that 70s series. But uh, yeah, the, the first the first episode just covers the history of the comics industry leading up to the creation of the Comics Code. So you guys really get a feel of why that particular series is is important. So. Yeah, I downloaded that that episode, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was stuff that I knew because I, I sort of read a lot of comics history when I was getting into it. But it's still it's it's an amazing stuff to revisit. They're talking about the comics code and Frederick Wortham and Seduction of the Innocent, all that stuff. So it was a it was a good show. I'm looking forward to future episodes. Uh, yeah, future the next the very next episode will be a giant interview, and that's all I'll say. Ooh, <laughs> oh, nice teaser. I like that. That's good. <laughs> Oh, anyway, that's excellent. That's that's a lot of stuff. Um, you, you are rivaling Frank. I don't think Frank, by the way, is one person. I think he's a team of people that go under the name of Frank. 
to just operate all those plugs. So you it's know, an acronym. Yeah, it's an, it's like James Bond. It's one guy that uses different code name. You know, different guys using the same code name over the years. Um, <laughs> as always, uh, Aquaman. You can find us on AquamanShrine.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and technically on Google Plus. For Firestorm, you can find Firestorm at Firestorm Fan and on uh, Twitter and Google, uh, Twitter and Google Plus and Facebook. Um, we can find the Fire and Water Tumblr, which is at Fire and Water Podcast Tumblr.com. You can email us at firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. And uh, Chad, I want to thank you so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. We wanted to have another episode up, and we've been I've been wanting to talk about the Phantom Stranger for a while. We probably should have covered the one episode, one issue where Firestorm Firestorm crossed over with Phantom Stranger, but we didn't. So you know, too bad for Shag. And uh, it's covered on both your blogs. It is covered on both the blogs. So I guess that's <laughs> that's it's and written by Cole, Paul Coverberg too. But anyway, you can find Firestorm fan all those places. You can have Fire Water podcast on on iTunes, of course. And please leave us a. Uh, uh, iTunes review, we would appreciate that. And, uh, you know, again, Chad, thanks for doing the show, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for inviting me on, and talk to you guys later. All right, ride the uh, Fan of Flame and ride the wave. And, uh, light ri- the lantern. Light the lantern. Oh, that's a good one. I like light the lantern. All right. <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm Fighting crime together Soak them down or burn them up No one does it better Yeah! The Phantom Stranger will listen.